Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the City of Smack podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. We love giving our listeners a shout out when they leave a review. So if you do so, leave your Instagram handle, and I'll have a City of Smack sticker mailed out to you. I'm going to start mailing those out next week. So keep an eye out for a message as soon as I round up addresses. If you want your review to be read, leave us a five-star review and let us know why you love this podcast. This week's review comes to us from Emily Polanis, who wrote Running's MIP, Most Important Podcast. Chris absolutely slays every single episode, bringing us the most important nitty-gritty running information while keeping it light and fun along the way. Helps build anticipation for all road races and track events and helps us runners feel connected to the super fast runners we look up to. The commentating for the marathon trials was unmatched and absolutely electric. Killing the game as always. That's what it's all about, bringing you closer to the pros, up to date on the top news and events, and excited about all the latest stuff. Thanks to Emily for that super kind write-up. The Sidious Mag Podcast is supported by Bandit Running. Bandit is a performance running brand based in Brooklyn, New York. We worked with them last fall around the Chicago Marathon, and I still get a ton of compliments on my custom Sidious Mag Bandit hoodie. Founded in 2022, Bandit just had nine athletes compete in the marathon trials, and they told their stories via a documentary-style series on YouTube called Dialed. Check those out on the Bandit Running YouTube channel if you're into some quality running storytelling. They also just relaunched their membership, a program that enhances your relationship with Bandit via early access to product, discounts, exclusive events, gear, content, you name it, the membership has got it. For a limited time, Sidious Mag podcast listeners get 20% off the membership and any product if it's your first time order by using code Sidious20 at checkout. That's Sidious20 at BanditRunning.com. Thanks to Bandit for supporting the podcast. My guest for today's episode is Allie Wilson. She just won the U.S. Indoor Championships 800-meter title in Albuquerque, New Mexico for her first career national crown. With the victory, she also qualified for the World Indoor Championships taking place in Glasgow, Scotland next month. This will be her first time on a U.S. national team for a global championship. For Allie, the victory comes after a series of shortcomings at national championships. She was sixth at the 2021 U.S. Olympic Trials. She was fourth at the 2022 U.S. Championships. Last year was a roller coaster year where she only reached the semifinals at USA's and was also dealing with the fact that her coaches Andrew and Amy Begley would be parting ways with the Atlanta Track Club. So she decided to take a risk and leave the team and her sponsorship with Adidas to follow her coaches to Indiana, where she is now living and training. This weekend gave her confidence in her decision making. In this episode, you'll hear all about how she's handled the changes, the trust in her coaches, how she's working with a mental performance coach to reframe her thinking going into races, and so much more. We take your listener questions, which many of you were curious why she opted against her signature high bun hairstyle in the final for in favor of a low ponytail. This was a fun one. So without further ado, here is Allie Wilson. All right. And now we welcome on 
U.S. 800 meter indoor champion Allie Wilson. How's that sound? Like part of your name now, I guess, <laughs> is U.S. champion. First time. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't hate that title. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel really, really excited and uh, excited to slap that onto my resume. I feel like they're still announcing me as like six-time Mac champion. I'm like, come on, give me something more than that. <laughs> so this one sounds better. <laughs> okay, so on Instagram, you posted no words, just happy. Have you found some more words to describe, I guess, how you've been feeling since Saturday? I, I think I have, yeah. I feel like it might come out in like whatever questions you're going to ask me, so I don't want to get into it too much. But yeah, I definitely have had time to process like what actually happened and um, yeah, kind of the volume of like how much it meant to me um, given all the circumstances and uh, especially after last year, I had a pretty tough year. So I feel like, yeah, there's... I'm feeling very grateful and proud of, of that race. And I think there's there's more words today for how I feel about it. <laughs> All right. So I guess a good starting point might be if we go back, what, six months or so? Last year, you finished your outdoor season in August. At that point, did you sort of anticipate that there would be some of these changes coming down the road? Yeah, so we actually knew very early on last year that things were probably going to be changing around. Um, for a while, it just kind of felt like it was more of like a concept or like this may happen down the road. And very quickly, it became like we're like this is really happening and we're going to need to make really hard decisions. Um, so I think for our entire team last year, that was pretty tough because it was just hard to wrap our heads around like continuing to focus on what we were trying to do and like our tasks at hand while still knowing like all of that was going on at the same time. And, you know, you try to put stuff on the back burner, but sometimes it's just, you know, it's hard not to think about something when you know it's going to affect your, your life so much. So yeah, uh, I don't know exactly when, like we really knew, but oh, it feels like the whole year we were like, had, had it in our minds, like something might be happening. So yeah. So for, for context, I guess, for the people who may not be as familiar or followed as closely, I think it was what, at some point last summer, you know, Atlanta mm -hmm. track club coat and the, the Begley's announced that they would be parting ways. And so it was kind of like this cloud hanging over things for a bit. It was like, who was going to stay on the team? What changes would be made? Eventually Tommy Nohilly gets hired as the head coach brings a couple of people from, you know, empire elite who he had been working with and, you know, stays with, a good chunk of the the team, you know, Coach Begley, you know, moves to Indianapolis and you decide to follow, you know, both your coaches. What went into that decision? Ooh, so a lot went into that decision. Um, the Begleys are who recruited me out of college. They were like there by my side from like the second I like kind of started like improving they were like always congratulating me and wishing me good luck and uh, I just felt like they were such a big part of my journey from even before they were my coaches um, and so yeah I was with them for four years and it just felt like in my heart even once I knew like it was really stressful once I found out like that they were definitely going to be leaving but I was like it's such an important year it's such a crucial time like 
there's there was really just no circumstance where I didn't see myself staying with Andrew and um, I just feel like he is so like particular about his training and I mean every coach is but like he's so like methodical about it to the point where it's like I felt like everything we've done for the past four years is like kind of like the long game. And I was like, I feel like I'm finally like about to like reap those benefits from like all this work I put in. And it just felt way too risky to even like consider any other like switching coaches at this time. So, and like just the fact that they've been so loyal to me and by my side, like through like good times or bad, like they've never, yeah, not been there to support me. It, it just felt like wrong to not um, continue with them. So it, it was really hard. And for a while they were saying like trying to decide where they were going to be moving. And there was a lot of things that were kind of up in the air. So we were just like ping-ponging around like, oh, we're moving here. We're moving to New York. We're moving here. And so like, it was just like a lot to process. Like, okay, like each time it changed, we had to be like, okay, now we're going to be dealing with these circumstances or like whatever it was. And yeah, from the start, they had sent in Indiana and I kept being like, please, can we go to like the East Coast? Because I'm from Philly. So I was like, if I have any input, like, let's go that way. But um, I have been very pleasantly surprised since moving here. I've really enjoyed it a lot so far. So I think, yeah, they they know they've been around a lot longer than I have. And they knew that it would be a great place to train and all that. They're both from Indiana. So, um, yeah, we ended up here and. I feel like it's working out well so far. <laughs> I love just sort of that level of trust that you have with them that was it really like anywhere and I will follow like it could have been middle of nowhere in Idaho where there's, you know, a population of like, I don't know, 200 people in a small town and you would have been game for it. Honestly, yeah, I like I'm very stubborn. So I kind of like kicked my feet up for a second. And I was like, I'm not moving to Indiana. Like I had never been to Indiana. So I didn't know what to expect. Like I just thought it was going to be kind of like middle of nowhere or whatever. Um, and I kept telling them, like, if you go there, like it's going to be hard for me to say I'm coming. And then they're like, we're going there. And I was like, well, <laughs> I think you knew that I was coming with you regardless. So I guess I'm coming to Indiana. So yeah, I feel like wherever they would, I, I would have gone um, because it just felt like that was the right move for me. And I, I can live anywhere and I, I can make anything work. I kept telling myself, like, it doesn't, we don't have to be there super long-term. Like you never know, but like in, in this very crucial time, like I need to be with these coaches and I need to be in Indiana with them. <laughs> do, you, do you think that when you're coming out of Monmouth and, you know, they were scouting for talent, like obviously you weren't one of those people who was getting calls from all of the different top sponsors to join this team and join that team and like recruit people. And we've kind of talked about it maybe in one of these mixed zone interviews. I remember you once walking me through sort of your progression and just like how much improvement you've seen year over year. At what point do you think like, or what do you think that the Begley's saw when you were coming out of Monmouth that they, they saw as, Oh, we can work with that athlete and there's still a lot of potential. What, what do you think it was? So Andrew actually still talks about this story to this day. Um, the moment he realized he wanted to be my coach was because when I was at Monmouth, I mean, I've dealt with like pretty chronic Achilles issues. And so when I was at Monmouth, um, my fifth year was when my Achilles like really flared up and it was like actually unbearable pain. Like I had like bursitis, tendonitis, like all this stuff going on. Um, 
I would cry practically every single day to, to no one's surprise now, but I, it was just like, it was brutal. Like how painful it was. And we've gotten it under control to this point, but it's, I still like deal with it here and there. Um, but in college, yeah, it was really, really bad. And basically like I was, my trainers just like had me living in a boot. Like I was always in a boot. So it wasn't going to stop me from running, but we thought like the boot might help like with like if I wore it. And so I showed up to my race at BU and I was wearing my boot and I'm just, you know, trekking around. And then I took my boot off. I raced. I actually, that was like a big breakthrough day for me. I ran 202. It was like the happiest moment ever. I knew I qualified for in indoor NCAAs and the Begley's were there. And I think they actually had a couple athletes in that race. And I think I came in second. So I think Laura Raisler won. And then I came in second. So I beat some of the pros and he said, like, he was just, like, mind blown. He was, like, that girl just, like, walked out here in a boot, like, throws it off, races, throws it back on. And so, like, he just says, like, he felt like that was, like, really cool. And he knew, like, how tough I was. And obviously, like, I'm not promoting racing while you're injured. But, like, it was something that, like, we were, like, dealing with. And, and we thought that would help. And, yeah, I mean, I was in excruciating pain. And so he just felt like I was someone that he really, like, connected with and, and thought, like, that I would be someone he'd want to coach. So <laughs> that was 2019. And then it all happens very fast, you know, even during the pandemic while people are, mm -hmm. you know, given basically this extra opportunity of a year to develop and train hard before the trials got moved. Then all of a sudden, out of the pandemic, you emerge as, you know, one of the top US 800 meter runners. And it's kind of bananas because like at that point, like the US is so deep in the 800 where just running too flat doesn't guarantee you make it to a final. W at what point does all of a sudden your work with the Begley start to look like a roadmap to making teams because you stress on this, how pivotal this year is. And this is the mm -hmm. Olympic year, but now there've been multiple opportunities where you've been in contention to make teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I think the pandemic obviously was just such a hard time for everyone. Like we were just training mindless, like for like no good reason. We didn't know what we were training for. We didn't know when the next time we were going to like toe the line was. And so I feel like I had a lot of like low points during the pandemic where I was like, what am I even doing? Like I had just moved to a new city. I didn't know that many people. Like I knew my teammates pretty much and my coaches and that was it. And so, yeah, we were just like putting in all this hard work and like had nothing to show for it. Like I was like, am I even getting better? Am I improving? Like, why am I still doing this? Like, and it was hard for me because I just moved so far away from home. Like I went to, I'm from Philly and I went to school in New Jersey. So I was never like that far from home. And I didn't realize like how much that would impact me until I moved to Atlanta and then was stuck there. I couldn't like visit home during the pandemic. So then I like wanted to be closer to my family. And I just like, yeah, I feel like it was just every other day I was waking up being like, should I just Stop. Like, I don't know. And then that first season after the pandemic, um, or after at least it had calmed down, I just was like praying that like all that hard work was finally going to pay off because otherwise I was like, I just like wasted however many years of my life. Like, <laughs> And then, yeah, I like ran a race. My first race was in Texas that year. And we had like this atrocious 
I don't know, like the, the timing was just really got really off for the meet. And so we had stood there for like 45 minutes and I ran two Oh two. And I was like, okay. Yeah. We commentated like, that race. It was in February. Okay, it was like the first yeah. meet that like anyone had signed up for. In yes. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I just ran two Oh two with like cold muscles. Like it was Texas. So they weren't actually cold, but I was not warmed up anymore. So I like knew in that moment, I was like, so determined to like prove that I was, I was fitter than that. And like, it, that race was not like a good representation of like where all that work was the past couple of years. And then the next week we had like a little race in Marietta, like that the track club put on. And I, I just like ran, f- led from the front and ran for my life and ended up running too flat that day. So I had PR'd by like full two full seconds. And then, and then I was like, okay, here we, here we go. We're on track. <laughs> I knew that, like, I knew it was in there. And then, yeah, that whole season was just like a slow progression down. Um, and really going into that year, I was just like hoping to make the Olympic trials because the the um, qualifying time was 2.025 and my PR was 2.027. And I was like, I think I can do that. And Andrew kept saying like, you're going to break two this year. And I was like, haha, okay. Like I'm very realistic. And I was just like, okay, coach, whatever you say. Um, and then, yeah, I like ran too flat and I was like, okay, I made it to the trials. And then I was just like hoping to like, see what I could do there. And then making it to the final, like in my first trials was really special. And I think my, I PR'd in the trials. Yeah. 159.02, sixth place. Yeah. 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 So I knew that I had left it all out there. There was nothing more I could have done. Obviously when you get that close, it's like, Oh, like I was so well, pretty close. It wasn't that close, but like you had to get top three. I came in six. Like, so you always want more, but I was very happy, like with obviously going into that season, just wanting to even be there. And then being a finalist was really cool. When do you things change though, from like happy to be here to like, no, no, no. Now I want to be on the team. I would say the following year was when that happened. So obviously the famous race where I face planted (laughs) Um, that day. Yeah. So I feel like every race has a story. Like the week before I had ran it to, um, Drake relays in Des Moines and it was just like a legitimate tornado the day of our race and I ran 203 and I was coming back from injury I didn't race indoors that year and I was like okay I just ran 203 in a tornado and I told my coach I was like I know you're not going to believe this but I think that was like 157 effort and he was like okay Allie so now he's like not believing me but he knew it was like in there but he didn't think it would happen like that next week obviously I didn't run 157 but like then I was so determined like on paper, I just ran 203, but that was like the hardest I've ever tried in my life. Like, I want people to know what that time actually was. And so that's why I just like ran for my life in that race to try to run a good time. And then, yeah, I, my legs gave out. and But I ran 158, so I was happy. Um, and then that whole season, like, I think that was the starting point for me. And then even my 15th time started coming down. So I was like, okay, like, I feel like the top, top girls like can do multiple things. And up to that point, I only felt like I could do the 800. So I was like, okay, like I'm getting in my groove. And then, yeah, I was able to place fourth at the U.S. champs that year. And I mean, with the amount, like the depth and the quality of like the women in this event in the U.S. is like insane. So to come in fourth, um, again, it was like a little bittersweet, but it was, pretty, pretty cool and pretty special. And I was really proud of it. So I would say like that day I realized like, okay, I'm like, I'm like up there. Yeah. (laughs) I have a chance. (laughs) So 
you one of the pin posts on your Instagram is 2022. You're going to be a hard one to top. Now this year opens up with you know a U.S. title. How are we feeling about the start to 2024? Pretty good. Yeah, I would say 23 was like not. Yeah, it was like just not the year I wanted, especially coming off of like such a high from 2022. I had like all sorts of expectations and like things that I thought were going to happen last year that like I was just like that just like I wasn't even close and so it was super disappointing in the grand scheme of things it really wasn't that awful of a year it's just like compared to what I wanted I was like pretty disappointed and it just felt like a a struggle so to like now start this year with something like a national championship yeah it feels really good and I think that like one thing that like after my race this past weekend Obviously, I got very emotional, and I think part of the reason, or like a lot of the reason, was because up until this point, like I had felt like there was just this like barrier every time the race really mattered. So if it's just like some Joe Schmo meet in like Arkansas, like I'm gonna like run a world lead and face whatever, and then like when it really matters is when I was always feeling like I raced differently. I didn't like race to my potential, like. And I, I like couldn't figure out why, but I like knew that deep down. And so it really stressed me out every time I showed up to a championship. Cause I was like, like, I just historically speaking had like never performed like how I like felt like I could have. And, um, that started like back in college, like at the NCAA level, um, like when I started improving and stuff, I just always felt like I was falling short when it mattered most. And so actually this weekend I had told, Bianca, who like, I don't even know how to explain her to people, but she started as my friend. Now she's our assistant coach. And like, she does a lot of all of my mental like work. And she's so, so good at stuff like that. And I had told her like going into the weekend, I was like, can I just be like totally honest with you? And she's like, yeah. And I took, and I'm not allowed to say negative things, but if I ask, then I'm allowed to say it. So I basically told her, like, I already feel like I know what's going to happen. Like, top two make the world team and I'm going to come in third. Like that's always what happens. Like whatever that thing is that I want, I come in one after it. And like, and so she was like, basically like the whole weekend, she was just like working with me on like believing, like if you believe that, then that's what's going to happen. So like believe otherwise, like believe you're going to win, believe you can win. Um, And so we just like left room for the possibility, even though I'm very stubborn. I was like, I know it's going to happen. It happens every time. And so I feel like that's why I got so emotional after that race, because this was the first time where I performed like to the, like my standards when it mattered. And that just like, like, that's such like a big relief off my shoulders now, like, especially going into like the Olympic year. Cause it, it always felt a little phony for me to be like, I'm going to make this team or I'm going to do this because it hadn't happened yet. And now it has. And now I know that I can do it when it matters most. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I I want to dive a little deeper into that because obviously the fans and the spectators see happy, bubbly Allie before and after the races. When do you turn, like when you flip that switch to be in competitor mode, in these races against, you know, the people this weekend against a thing, Mo or Ajay Wilson, like what is competitor Ali saying and thinking in her head during these races? 
So that's a good question because I feel like I am actually a different person the second the gun goes off. Like, it's not even like I'm like some scary person, but it's like, I really can't, I have, I mean, we all have that ability, but like, it's just like a flip of the switch. And all of a sudden I'm like, it's just in like action mode, like whatever I have to do to like do the best I can. And like, my thing with myself is it's like impossible for me not to try my hardest. Like I, I can know I'm going to come in like dead last or whatever, or like whatever it is, like if the weather's awful and like, and no one feels like competing. Like, I don't know why I'm like this, but I always try my hardest. Like I, I just never give up. And that's one thing that I like try to remind myself, like, because once I'm racing, like I know I'm going to like do everything in my power to like put myself in a good position to do well and get the most out of that day. Um, and sometimes like the races themselves, just like prevent that from happening. Like things happen and it happens to all of us. Like, and then you just don't end up having the day you want sometimes. But I know like in my heart, at least I'm always giving it my all. And that's really like what's most important to me. But yeah, I don't know how that switch happens. I think I've always been a very competitive person. Sports have been like literally my life since I was like a little tiny, like four-year-old. So um, I used to play soccer and I feel like that I still like consider myself just like an athlete. Like I never really felt like a runner. I just feel like I'm an athlete and like, I like to compete and I like to like give it my all and get the most out of myself. And I think that's what I do once that gun goes off. So this time, if we unpack this past weekend's final, you know, the 800 indoors is a very physical event. (laughs) And I looked at your results from this season and each time out that it's been a final, it's been a season's best, season's best, season's best. And that includes this past weekend in Albuquerque. But in that first lap, didn't you almost get tripped up? (laughs) Yes, there was a little mishap. Um, Yeah, I feel like someone may have gone over a little too soon. (laughs) I don't think there was like much of a stride length at all, um, if any. And so, but somebody else asked me about this and it's like it happens like racing is racing everyone's out there just trying to like make the best decision they can I don't think she did it on purpose but like yeah actually watching it back I was like yeah that almost caused like a big (laughs) a big issue like if if I had gone down I think it would have taken out the rest of the race so that would have wouldn't have been good but does that break your focus at all like while you have to be engaged and competitor mode for this two minutes does that you know, is that a second of panic or anything? So for sure. Yeah. I actually didn't panic, but I kind of like, I actually verbally said out loud, like, Hey, like, I like feel like I'm always talking in races. I always say things, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely lost focus for a second. And I was just like, but it almost is like, maybe like sometimes when stuff like that happens, it's almost like for the best, like, I'm not happy that happened, but it's like, it kind of distracted me from like what I was trying to do. And then I was just like, okay, re-engage, let's go. And then it just like made it go by like really fast. Um, and I just tried to, yeah, obviously, yeah, I don't think she had any malicious intent, but, um, I just tried to like, yeah, you obviously want to try to stay out of trouble the best you can, but indoors like running that fast it just can get really choppy and I know like going into Glasgow and like well like I know that these races are about to be pretty pretty vicious so it's probably good that we got a little practice in um for some some contact and stuff but yeah I feel like I race very like what's the word uh I don't know like I'm almost like tuned 
I feel like I race too nice. Maybe other people would disagree, but I'm like, I'm not like putting my elbows out. I'm not like, cut, I'm not trying to cut anyone off. I'm sure I have, but like, I feel like I just like try to like take up as little space as possible. Whereas other people are probably purposely doing the opposite because that would make sense. <laughs> but yeah, I just try to be considerate and like not like if someone's You're too nice. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to learn a little more. Like maybe I need to bring out my inner soccer girl and yeah, be willing to throw a bow here and there. <laughs> so then going into the final lap at that point, I guess like Addie Wiley was trying to take this thing wire to wire. Does the thought creep into your head of, of, you know, what you were telling Bianca before of like, oh, I know how this goes. Like it's going to be second place. It's going to be third place. And you're kicking for your life at that point. You rewrite the script and you change the outcome and you win the damn thing. What are you thinking about in that final lap? Yeah. So I feel like half the time I'm disappointed in my races. It's because I did something really stupid early on. And so at that point I was like, okay, Allie, um, we obviously got a little tripped up. That's fine. I had forgotten about that. And I was like, you're in the perfect position. Like you are doing the thing you want to do. Um, and I, I think if I hadn't told Bianca out loud that like, I, that's what like, I kind of was thinking was going to happen. I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe I would have tensed up or somebody would have gotten me there at the end. Um, but because we had gone over, like, I can do this. I can beat these girls. I can like all these things. And like, she'd tell me, I don't care if you believe that you're saying it. And so I would just say it and I'd be like, okay, I'll say it. And I'd be like (laughs) saying it against my will. And so coming around that last lap, I was like repeating those things to myself. And I was like, I can do this. Like I can win this race. And I obviously had no idea what was going on behind me. And I quite frankly, didn't know everyone was as close as they were. (laughs) Afterwards, people were talking about how it was like a blanket finish. And I was like, really? Like, I had no idea. Um, But I was just trying to like, focus on like, like getting everything I could out of that last lap and making it hard to catch me if anyone was right there. And um, yeah, coming around the last turn, I was like, I have something left. Uh, Let's just leave it all out here and see what happens. And Honestly, when I crossed the finish line, I was very confused. Like, I feel like it's funny to me to see like my Milrose race pictures. I'm like, yay, like I won. And these ones, I'm like making this like weird face because <laughs> I like couldn't even believe it myself because I did think I knew it was going to happen that race. And I did like rewrite that narrative. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> so afterwards, what is it like, I guess, when you get back together with Bianca and your coaches, you know, to to celebrate? Oh my gosh. It was like the best moment ever. They were so happy. My coach cried. I feel like he probably only cried because I cried because I feel like I have a very contagious cry. (laughs) And I know he knows like how badly I've needed a race like this, like literally my whole career and it's never happened. And so um yeah and then Bianca same thing like she was like I can't even look at you without crying like and I think it was just like really reassuring for all of us like it was reassuring to like me to know that like I had made the right choice and that I like can do these things that have felt like it was like impossible up to this point um it was reassuring to my coach to know like we're on track we're doing the right things like he prepared me to the best of his ability um to pull that one off and like it was reassuring to Bianca because she said like you like she's like the most like I can't even explain her but she believes in me more than probably anyone in the world maybe my coach and my parents 
Okay. <laughs> but she, she was like, you were like, before that race, you were starting to make me doubt my, like myself and how I was approaching it with you because like of how you, like things you were saying and stuff like that. Like that's how badly I was doubting myself. Um, and so then it was like the moment that, that, that I won for her was like, oh my God, like I was able to get through to her. Like we were able to make a difference. And yeah, I don't think, I mean, I could not have done it without either one of them. So it, yeah, they're very special to me. And that moment was really special. I saw Bianca's post and, you know, then I looked into her profile and some of the work that she does through her comeback Academy, which was designed for quote, like the mental side of injuries was really fascinating in her caption, I guess, from the post with you, she did note burn ceremonies and dance parties. What's that all about? Okay, so going into this week, she like wanted to like come up with activities we could do that would kind of like take my mind off of things. And like sometimes I feel like we as runners, like when we're at a big race, it's like I have to focus on what I'm doing and I can't stop thinking about it the entire time I'm there. And it's just like it's too much. Like we are real people. We need like things to take our mind off it. And so she had come up with like a couple ideas and my coach kept shutting them down. <laughs> and then she told me like, basically she kept bringing up like, we're going to have a burn ceremony. And I was like, what does that even mean? But okay. Like I trust her with my life. So I was like, sure, whatever we're going to burn, I'll be there. Um, and so she had me write down, um, like a bunch of things that I didn't want to bring with me into my races. Um, so like things like self-doubt and expectations and things like that. And then we burnt them. So I wrote, well, actually first we wrote them out and then she had me write what the opposite of it was. So I had this list of things like I do want to bring with me to the race, like courage and stuff like that. And so then we ripped up all of the um, ones we didn't want to bring with us. And then we went and got a lighter because neither of us had one. And then we were just in our hotel room and we burnt all of them and watched them like slowly die. And it was like really powerful. I feel like it like Things like that to me, like used to seem so phony. Like I was like, okay, like that's not going to work, but it really felt like I was like getting rid of those things and taking them off of my shoulders. And, um, so it was fun. And there's actually a really funny video. Maybe you're going to have to get this from Bianca, but of one of the pieces of paper as we're burning, it got stuck to my finger. So I'm like in full panic mode, like, like screaming and then yeah I, it didn't end up hurting my fingers off but I was like that was almost bad like my coach is always saying like don't do anything she can get hurt and we thought this was like a pretty safe bet and I almost like burnt my hand off I would have been so <laughs> I'd have been so worried about lighting the hotel room on fire well yeah we have like the little thing where you can like fill with ice so we like put water in there and then we we're just like putting them in <laughs> The cleaning staff we must probably, be so confused. Yeah. So like, what what was happening in here before? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we knew the world was going to find out about that one, but they did. So it's fine. Um, and then our dance parties. So Bianca is actually a cycle bar instructor and she is like the most motivational, inspirational person you could ever ride with. Like her classes I'm regularly like on the verge of tears. I always tell her like the second I leave, I want to run through a brick wall. Like I might not even be in season. And I'm like, put me on the track. Like the second I get out of her classes, because she's just so good with her words. And I feel like she's been through much and has learned so much. And both of her parents actually were, her dad was an Olympic cyclist. Her mom was 
the U.S. champ in cycling, actually. And so I feel like she was just like raised to like be a champion and have the champion's mindset. And so she, because she's a cycle bar instructor, she has just like the best playlist. Like that girl has such good music if you ever need a good playlist. And so whenever we're at these meets together, she's always my like, she, she does everything, but she's also my DJ. And she'll just like put on like the best music. We'll have like the best vibes going on in the room before we leave for my races and stuff. And yeah, we, we'll just like jump around and dance around for a little bit. Um, maybe not like right before I leave for my race because usually I'm too nervous. But like the night before or the, the morning of or something, we'll just like get the good vibes going. And yeah, it, it's it like makes me feel like more like excited and like to, to like take on whatever I have to do that day. And it's just she's really good at just like lifting the mood and making it like making me like get out of my own head. The presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast is Olipop. You know we've been pounding Olipop for over a year now. 2023 was a track season to remember, and City of Smag was able to be there for all of the big moments thanks to the incredible support of Olipop. What has become known as the runner's soda isn't just a great companion for pregame shows or post-race shows, or if you're just watching at home and want to crack a can of Olipop open yourself, it's good for you too. It's a prebiotic soda with 9 grams of fiber, which is 32% of your daily needs, that only has 2-5 to grams of sugar and helps your digestive health in a way that a threshold workout never could. We love it because there are 15 incredible flavors that will keep your body refreshed and ready to go for the next workout. My current favorite is Lemon Lime. Caitlin Tui's number one flavor is Ginger Lemon. There are other great flavors like Vintage Cola, Tropical Punch, Orange Squeeze, Cherry Vanilla, and I'm hearing rumors of another one coming soon. City of Smack podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code CITIUS25 at checkout at drinkollipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and... Most recently, they just got added to Costco, so pro tip there. Next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. So who was the risk taker? This this has been just a whole season of betting on yourself, taking risks, to switch up from the high bun to the low ponytail. That is like <laughs> it, when we asked for questions on Instagram, I think half of them were about that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So honestly, I got my hair done recently and I like had my hairdresser make it darker. I asked for that and then I immediately regretted it. So I was like, why did I do that? And I got a haircut. So I have just felt like my bun hasn't really been my bun. Like it's been like more floppy. I feel like it's like too healthy right now. So it's like not staying put as well. Like I like it a very specific way and it hasn't been doing it for me. So I just like wanted to go into that race feeling like really like I was ready and my bun was just not cutting it these days. So I was like, that morning, I think I was just wearing it in a low ponytail. And I was like, I kind of like the low pony. Like maybe I'll just race like that. And Bianca was with me. She was shook. She was like, really? And <laughs> But then like the more I thought about it, I'm 
a lot of my best races have been when I haven't worn my bun. So I'm starting to wonder if it's like not very aerodynamic, <laughs> um, which I normally only end up wearing it like that because it's so hot. So it's like indoors, it's not that hot. So I didn't mind like my hair being on my neck, but the second we get to outdoor, like it's going to be back up. I'm going to be too hot. I don't know what I'm going to do in Scotland. I haven't decided yet, but the pony might be here to stay, but I hope that's not going to make everyone mad. <laughs> You've got the fans on their toes for this one. Yeah. Um, Another part of this whole weekend, I guess, that has made like your story so impactful to people is that because you'd left Atlanta Track Club and moved to Indianapolis, like you, you're no longer sponsored. And so you've been doing this whole entire indoor season unsponsored. I guess the people are wondering, one, have the calls started coming? And then two, <laughs> have you had to take up extra work outside of running to kind of support your athletic endeavors? Yes. So I'll answer those questions backwards okay. because I'll start with the, what I'm doing now and hopefully what's to come. Um, but yeah, so when I moved here, I kind of thought like, all right, I don't know. I'm not like the number one, like, I don't even know, recruit, whatever I would be considered, um, in the country. But I do think like I have, I thought I had ran like respectable enough to like get something. Um, I didn't know if it was going to like amount to what I was making in Atlanta or whatever, but it just like, didn't even, it just became like, not about that for me. I was like, regardless, I'll make it work. Um, Ray, my agent, he has been working very hard and he knows obviously a lot more than I do about all of this. So I don't know if he knew like, a, like, I don't know, like, maybe it just made more sense to wait. Um, he knew that I was like, I, my coaches kept telling him like, she's, she's pretty fit. Like, I don't know. So maybe he knew like it would be in my best interest to wait until after USA's to um, figure that out. I think he believed he could have gotten me something regardless, but maybe now like it'll make my value go up a little. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, so I kind of like, I had had some money saved. So I was like, I'll be fine. Like, in the fall and stuff, I was just trying to like be a little more careful about my spending, whatever it was. And then it just, yeah, got to a point where I was like, okay, like apparently when you're spending money and not putting more money back in your bank account, like it starts to really go down. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't want to get to a point where I was like stressed and like, I literally have zero dollars and I, how am I going to get to this meet or like whatever it was? I was just like, okay, let me like be proactive here. I'll just, I, there's been points in my career already. Like my first contract wasn't really, it was like a good contract, but it wasn't like the amount that like, I felt like I needed for the way that I spend money. Cause I can be a little reckless, but uh, that's another issue. <laughs> so I like had picked up a nannying job in Atlanta at one point, um, my first two years there. And then, yeah. So I knew like, you know, I can always fall back on that. I love like kids and it always feels like great to like have a family kind of a, a home away from home kind of thing um while I'm out here just like in the middle of Indiana with very few people that I know so yeah I had gotten back on care.com and I found I I like for a while was on there and there's just like nothing that I felt like worked with my schedule people need like 40 hours a week and whatever it's like no like I can't work full-time and do everything I need to do for this um so I didn't want to be like half in 
so then, yeah, this family reached out to me and said, like, you'd be perfect for us. Like, um, they're a very athletic family. They have five kids. Um, I mostly work with just like the two little ones. And they have been like the greatest blessing since I've been here. The mom is both, both the parents are like so understanding of what I'm trying to do and very flexible. So that's kind of what like I need, like I need someone who's like willing to work with me because I'm constantly leaving to race and travel and all this and my training. And sometimes we're like switching what days I'm working out and then I have to tell them last minute. And so it's just like really great to have somebody who like really understands that and cares about what I'm doing um, otherwise. And yeah. So I, I, I wasn't like, I didn't really hesitate in doing that. I guess a part of my like, you know, ego or whatever was like, Oh, like, am I like moving back? Because like I used to do that and now I'm contractless. I have to do that again. And I'm like, no, like I, I care about this dream and, and it's just what I had to have to do in the meantime. And um, I'm really grateful that I was able to find them. It's, it's helped a lot. And so Hopefully, I mean, I honestly, even if I get a contract, I'll probably still want to help them a little bit because they were there for me when I needed them and I'm very loyal. So, <laughs> but yeah, Ray has already reached out um, saying there's some things on the table now. So I don't know like any of the details yet. He actually had told my coaches. So I'm just over here like waiting like a little bit, to see what he says. And I have no idea like who would be interested or what kind of contracts, um, they might be coming up with, but for a second there, like it did feel like I, I was a little bit wondering, like, is this ever going to happen? Am I going to get through this whole year? Like having to like figure this out because I know a lot of people do it and I know that I could have done it if I had to. Um, but it's just like, not really what I thought was going to happen for the year, but I took a chance and I went out on a limb and here we are. I think that um, it's all like falling into place the way that I was hoping and actually even a little better. Did you get the family to tune in to watch your race? Like that's yes. one of the cool parts, I guess, when you connect with just a, a family. Like I, I think about some of these races where they put up the athletes with like a host family for the weekend. And then all of a sudden, like that host family becomes like your number one fan on site. So did this family you know, all of a sudden start celebrating? Like, what did they tune in for that race? Yes. So I literally just started working with them, like pretty much at the new year. Cause I kind of was under the assumption like, oh, maybe I'll have a contract by the new year. So I just have to get to there. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, hasn't happened yet. Let's like make moves, do something about it. Um, so I only started working with them probably like for first week of January. Um, so pretty much the entire indoor season, but they have very quickly become like my number one fans. Like they are just like constantly sending me videos of them all like going nuts after my races. And actually like funny enough, the dad's brother is a track coach in the area. Okay. So I think he helped. Like a lot of times, like the people I worked for, like definitely like get it, but like maybe not, not totally. Um, and I feel like he told them immediately, like, um, <laughs> that girl's pretty good, whatever. So I think that that might've helped. And, and they really have been like all in on my career, even just knowing them for like a month and a half. <laughs> so before we get to some listener questions, I'm curious, you've, you've gotten the chance to wear the team USA kit before when you ran at NACAC in 2022, did it feel a little bit differently this time around going through team processing and all of the stuff you have to do after the race? 
It did. Yes. When I made the NACAC team in 22, I was obviously over the moon. Like it was at that point, I was like, you know what? Just getting to put on this uniform means like so much because it's so freaking hard to do. And um, I feel like there's probably so many amazing, amazing athletes who have gone through their entire career and never gotten to put that uniform on. So I definitely didn't take it for granted. But um, yeah, that time it was kind of like, oh, like, Al, you got fourth. So you have to go do processing. And they're kind of like, right. oh, like, you don't even you don't even need to try the uniform on. Like, we'll just send it to you. And I was like, OK. <laughs> I like didn't have my passport. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but then like, yeah. And then even like my race at the Bahamas, like it just was like, I w- it was like probably one of the less competitive races I've run. And I was like, I'm wearing this uniform. Like I'm trying to be like this, like big, cool race. And it just felt like it was like really cool. But at the same time, something just felt like it was missing. And so this time it was like, it just felt like it was really really earned and like, yeah, it, it was a great feeling. And I, I mean, I would, I just wanted to make the team. Like I was like, I just want to make a world team. I want to make it an Olympic team, something like I want to wear that uniform because I like made, like did what I needed to do on that day. And then, so to like be like the person who won that race was made it like all, all like even better. <laughs> all right. Let's get into some of these questions that were submitted on instagram danny rap asks what is the best date for track and field and why is it new jersey new jersey's a good one i used to make fun of it growing up because i was from pennsylvania and that's what you do you call new jersey the armpit of the united states (laughs) but then i lived there and i was like i actually think i want to live here one day so maybe i'll stop making fun of it but the four by eight like with new jersey pros would be really really good it would be oh yeah Ajay, a thing, you, and then do we put Josette, I guess, on there as well? well? Olivia. Oh, then, yeah, that's right. But then, like, sometimes Olivia and I, when when I was in Atlanta, she, we used to debate because she'd be like, you aren't from New Jersey. Like, everyone always says oh, you'd be in Atlanta. Oh, just finding a way to kick you <laughs> off the team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, my mom is from New Jersey, so I do have Jersey roots. Um, And now that I had gone to school there, I was like, I feel like Jersey can claim me a little bit if they want. <laughs> yeah. But I am a Philly girl through and through. <laughs> Shannon601 submitted a couple of questions. One of them was, what do you eat on race day? Oh, okay. Well, I actually am going live with my nutritionist tomorrow. I'm sure we'll get into that a little more. Um, But normally I did make a post yesterday because I've gotten into pancakes for my race day breakfast, which is really random. And my one, my my pancakes this weekend actually had flowers on it and I ate them, (laughs) (laughs) which I think they were edible, but if not, I'm like, maybe that's my new thing. (laughs) Um, So I do like, yeah, it kind of depends on like what time of day I'm racing. But if I'm racing later, I'll eat like a full big, like omelet potatoes, something like that for breakfast. So I'm really like full throughout the day. Um, and then if it's an earlier race, I'll eat like pancakes. And then I usually will eat like a couple hours before my race, just like almond butter on bread with a banana. Um, and then just lots of electrolytes. And that's pretty much it. I do eat a goo, um, 20 minutes before my race. I just started doing that a couple years ago. Um, and I kind of go in phases with it. Cause sometimes like when you're standing there so nervous, I'll tell my nutritionist, like, I just like really don't want to like put that whole pouch of goo in my mouth. Like I already am like shaking and like, you just don't want to eat anything. But I think like those like quick 
calories, carbs. I don't even know what, 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 what really it's for, but I think it's really good for like, um, for race day. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I didn't really think of it much because you were on the 800. I think goose mm-hmm. gels, I think marathoner. <laughs> <laughs> I have been told I'm a closeted marathoner. My coach is like, are you a distance runner? I'm like so fixated on splits and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> AJ squig asks, what's your Wawa order? Um, I like, I usually get an Italian hoagie, hoagie, not sub. Um, and I mean, I get like all the toppings, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickles, sweet peppers. Um, that's normally what I get. I love Wawa coffee, obviously iced or like, I love the ice like machines with like their little pebble ice. It's so good. Um, I feel like there's so much sugar in it, but I just pretend like it it doesn't have all that. (laughs) Um, Karen Ramming asks, how much did you love being on road to track town? There was a, I guess, how many parts was it? Is it, did, did it end up being three or four? I think four. Okay. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. Oh my gosh. I loved it. Yeah. I like still to this day, I'm like, why did they pick me? Like I'm honored, but I don't get how they decided on me, but I had so much fun doing it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like the best in front of the camera. I feel like I get really awkward. Um, so sometimes I was just like, my friends were just sending me like the funniest clips of like something weird or dumb that I said. You mic'd up during uh, workouts is fantastic. (laughs) Honestly, like I do, I talk so much during our workouts. I don't know if my teammates love it or hate it, but I just like every single rep, I'm coming up with some equation for what, what, how much we have left or how much we've already done. (laughs) I've been told like, stop telling me that. And I've also been told like, Oh, that really helped. Or like I talk mid rep. I just, I talk a lot. (laughs) Well, you've mentioned that beforehand about how you talked during races before. What's the, is it, what, what are you usually saying during some of these races? Like I'm trying to picture like U.S. <laughs> championships semifinal. Like, are you after one laughing, like we're doing great. Or like, what are you saying in these races? Honestly, if enough of my friends were in the race, I probably would say something like that. Um, yeah. Cause like going into like the, like the last lap of a rep or something, I'll be like, last lap, let's go. We could do it. Like whatever. <laughs> it's easier to do when we're at practice than in a race. Obviously, normally when I'm saying something in a race, it's because something's kind of like going on. Like, I'll be like, Hey, like, okay, I'm right here. Like, or move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've literally told people like, I'm stuck. Can you let me out? Like I've been so boxed in. <laughs> it's like, I shouldn't be able to say that. That's how badly, you know, I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's probably like uh that's like called racing yeah like, it's like oh we got her where we want her <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right final questions for me um I've been workshopping these for for several episodes and now I think I finally got m- the questions I'm going to ask every guest all right okay. so for you who's the most intimidating competitor or the most nervous you've ever been before a race Ooh. So I think the most nervous I've ever been was this weekend. Really? Um, yeah. Like I was so nervous, but I have learned like over the years, like if I'm not nervous, it's a problem. Um, but I was so nervous that I was like, I think this is a problem. And then afterwards I was like, oh, maybe I need to do that every time. <laughs> um, the most intimidating competitor. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like the obvious answer is, like, a thing because I feel like she just, like, prances around and is just, like, 30 meters ahead of everybody. She's running in lane two um, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like 
everyone is just like so sweet that it's like, it's not even like, it's like an intimidating thing. It's just like, she's just really freaking good. And, and that's just that. Um, yeah. But she's like so nice and so humble and all this stuff. And I think that's how everyone is like across the board um, in our event, but in every event, everyone's so nice in this sport. <laughs> but yeah, obviously racing against her, is kind of like, all right, <laughs> let's see what we can do here. <laughs> What's the race or performance that really made you believe in yourself as an athlete? I think you maybe talked about this already. Yeah. Um, which one did I even say? Oh, 2022 finals. Yeah. What's your favorite race ever? Is it this weekend? Ooh, honestly, <laughs> it's probably a tie between this weekend and faceplant because faceplant was just like, the most me thing of all time and I, I just said it was so funny and everyone thought it was so funny and everyone makes fun of me still for it um but I feel like that was such a big, big breakthrough for me and like it wouldn't have been it would have been my least favorite race of all time if I had fallen like two feet earlier but since I fell the way I did and I crossed the line then I did enjoy it yeah <laughs> I, when I've gone back and like watched that video, especially like that weekend after it was posted, cause it just like loops and like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just got that TikTok or real effect where it's just over and over again. I'm just so stunned that like you got back up and there wasn't just like, I don't know, track on your face basically. Cause how hard that haul, that fall was, you were going so fast. I, I hit the ground really hard. Like my knee was really messed up after that. It was like all cut up bruise like I thought I, like I could like hardly walk the next day but then we did a workout and it was fine so I was like all right nothing's broken it just hurts <laughs> all right final two questions do you have a Roman okay. empire about a race or athlete you think about a lot but don't know why I feel like even if there is anyone I wouldn't want to say who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right it's like oh I think about this Ajay Wilson race and we're back yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> I've got a few Roman empires but I might have to keep them to myself but I mean this is like kind of an obvious answer and you're gonna be like cool Ali great answer but the Olympics are my Roman empire because it's like I really really want to go I just want to go I want to be an Olympian I really want to get the rings tattooed on my body somewhere I don't have any tattoos to this day I don't want any tattoos except for that one and because I feel like that's just like so meaningful I I could never get sick of it and that's always what I'm worried about with the tattoo so I mean I'm obviously excited for it more than just the tattoo but I feel like that's something that I'm like I just really want that to happen you know where you would get so. it or is that like too, or you don't want to say because it'd be a little superstitious yeah. are you superstitious about it um, I actually haven't put in that much thought for where I would get it. <laughs> Maybe like rib cage. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be somewhere like kind of discreet, but like when you see it, like it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. I think Ellie, uh, Perrier St. Pierre has it, I think right, right above, like on like... the top part of her leg. And I'm like, oh, that's a yeah. good spot. Cause you can yeah. see it when they're racing. Yeah. Yeah. Hers is so cool. And like, even I know a lot of the girls like Heather and Corey, I think both have like the Olympic rings necklace and just like, they just like get to wear that so <laughs> proudly, like for the rest of their life. I'm like, I want that too. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't make it for whatever the Monmouth conference championship was. They exactly. That, <laughs> that, that necklace or, or, or if they did, no one would probably care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final, final question. And let's leave the people with some inspiration. What's the best advice a coach has given you and who was it? Bianca's given some great advice. I'm sure. And that, that is like her too. bread and butter. 
Andrew has had to put up with my shenanigans for a long time and he's gotten me to this point. I feel like they've both given me so much good advice. Um, I think, all right, I'm going with Bianca and I think I've talked about this in like an interview recently, but my favorite advice she's ever given me is just like to leave room for the possibility that something could happen. Cause a lot of times like we're going up into these races and there's just like, it's just like so much. And you're like, I like everyone's so fast. And like, how am I going to possibly ever do the thing I'm trying to do? And like, she always just like reminds me, like, just leave room for the possibility that it could happen. Like it may not happen, but it may happen. So like, just like, let there be like that little glimmer of belief in like your depths of your soul. And like, it could happen. And I feel like this weekend was a really good example of that. I love that. Well, Allie, we wish you the best of luck in training. And then do you have any plans, I guess, for when you go out to Glasgow? Like, are you going to go sightseeing after the meet or like what? what's the I know it's business first, but then after that, like, are you going to take a little break and enjoy things? So I'm actually, yeah, after the race, I'm flying straight back to Philly. So I'll spend time with my family. Um, I have a couple of nieces and a nephew and my nephew's like, I don't know, five months old now. And I feel like he's just like gotten so big since the last time I was there. So I'm just excited to spend time with them. Um, every time I go somewhere like new, my dad always emails me like things that I should do while I'm there. So I already got his email. I actually haven't even seen what's in it yet, but he says things to do in Glasgow. <laughs> and like, I've got on like really cool, like tours because of him. But like, he looks up when I, I raced in Padova at Cup two years ago, and he was like, Allie, you're gonna be 30 minutes from Venice. And I would have never known that if he didn't tell me. So then I like rallied the troops, like we made a bunch of friends um with like some of the other girls who were racing there. We all went to Venice together. And I was like, I was that close to Venice, and I almost didn't go because I wouldn't have known. <laughs> so yeah, I have to see what he's put on my itinerary. But obviously, first and foremost, I gotta try to run fast and see how far I can make it through um in those races. But yeah, I have a bunch of people coming out to support me. So I think we'll have a good time. <laughs> awesome. Well, Allie, thanks for doing this. And you know, we're rooting for you. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys. So please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.